Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strife's Sanctum Podcast. My name is Citizen Strife, and this week's anime review is going to be a nice and quick one. It's a nice and easy show to watch, and one I've gone back to and liked, whether I watched it the first time, second time, I think I even watched it a third time, and that is Interviews with Monster Girls. And funny, when you think about that name, you think of really stupid, really dumb, really hopeless. And this was at a time where stuff like Monster Musume came out and was just a blanket excuse to have monster girls show their tits or show their, you know, you know, it was it was this stupid, dumb, uh, juvenile uh, fan service. I'm sure there was more to it. This one, though didn't really have that and i think what sets it apart is the sense that it was trying for something unique even by you know school anime standards much less having monster girls and the context of the show the concept of the show is basically what it says on the tin it says it's in interviews with monster girls and they they do it well enough and they Add enough to it that while there's not a lot of meat on the bones, you got to remember that this is a silly show with silly characters meant for silly situations, and a lot of it is stock, to be fair. The meat of the show is a, is an interesting take on what could have been a, a dump. It could have just been, hey, we had an idea... Let's fill it, with, fill it with fan service because, haha, this is funny. Monster girls are funny. And no, it's it's honestly very charming. And every time I go back to it, I, I end up laughing more than I did before because they managed to pull off a pleasant, really quick, really fun show, which I wish they'd have a second season of. So if you're wondering what my main criticism is, it's the fact that, much like many other things, they only got one season out of it, but still, for what is there, it's still enough. But what is the plot, and really, what are the characters? Because you need somebody to interview them, and you need monster girls to interview. Well, we have them in spades. So in this world, there are characters known as demi-humans. Now, most of them are focused on the monster girl part, but I'm sure there are monster males just you know monster boys it's just in in this school they only have like three girls that are considered demi-human so either they were ancestral whether it was some other reason monster dna or monster traits or you know visual aspects and then other things got inherited into the characters at play otherwise there was a teacher as well, so that adds yet another dynamic to the thing, and it's probably the best part of the show, to be honest. But with that comes a character, uh, Tetsuo Takahashi, voiced by Chris George. Now, Chris George has been in like tons of stuff. Uh, I, I think I remember him being in uh, Ikebukuro Westgate Park as a just kind of a side character, but I could tell his voice right away. It, the problem is with Wikipedia, you don't. Some people don't list their profile, unfortunately. So when I mention who these characters are, sometimes I don't remember them offhand, unless I'm like, "Oh God, that's that person." 
But as far as this portrayal goes, uh, Takahashi is a biology teacher, professor, whatever, in this high school in Japan. And he's just this big, burly guy. He's like a big teddy bear, if I could describe it that way. He's got this, like, unique... Um, fascination with demi-humans almost like a it's a research project though they don't like say that because it's more of a personal fascination and curiosity with the concept and learning about them and honestly helping them when they're available rather than saying this is what they are and i'm gonna do this for research purposes and test on test on them and whatever no it's it's done in like very harmless fashion even though some of the characters are definitely like leery of him at first but you get eventually you really realize that he's like just there for the curiosity of it anytime he gets to talk to them anytime he gets to learn about them he gets that like aha moment like those people who are like into books and just get you know go gung-ho about reading or same idea he wants to figure out stuff and just by just by talking to them and he knows that in this in this school and in the society at large demi humans have like a social service agency and whatnot so it's 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 almost sort of a political slant a sort of um i wouldn't say racism though there is some of that like racism and bullying slant done via monster girls and demi-humans rather than say different races or different you know social statuses and things of that nature so it's an interesting way they go about it so his whole thing is he knows that this exists he knows that the people do exist in this in this school that he transfers to and one of them is hikari takenashi voiced by brenna brenna prill who was Yotsuba in Quintuplets. Speaking of shows I've already talked about and want to post on, I actually recorded that before I recorded this, but she's in that. She's um, Keikara Izawa in Classroom of the Elite, which I just rewatched. And, yeesh, what, a, what a departure that would be from this. Um, but yes, so she's been an actor for quite a while, so she's Hikari in this, and Hikari is half vampire. And really, it manifests as a sort of anemia, and she likes cold places. They kind of go into like the minutia of like where different characters are. And when Hikari comes in, her whole thing is she's the life of the party, kind of a goofball, and is just yelling, Yo, teach! and just stupid shit like that. And it's just. Uh, part of the fun of the whole vampirism thing is that she will kind of dispel a lot of like weird rumors and fascinations because you know some some um, properties will go full bore into they don't like sunlight they don't like this they don't like that you get stuff like twilight which goes all over the place with the same thing you get full bore like horror things where you do Helsing, which varies, you know, because there are so many different little weird things that they go about. In this version, it manifests as a sort of anemia and, like, you can't really go outside because you can't really exercise outside because of sweat and, you know, heat manifests as low blood. So they, you know, supply blood or 
you know, I forget if it's tomato juice or whatever, but it's the same way kind of Helsing showed it off, though in a lot less graphic detail. Because you got to remember, this is a comedy. So, so Hikari acts as a counterbalance from the complete doofiness and dourness of Twilight to the traditional concept of what a vampire is. And, and vampires get so much freaking stuff. I'm shocked there wasn't like a zombie girl in this, to be honest. Though, to be fair, it might be in the manga version for all I fucking know. But vampires, zombies, whatever, they've been around forever. What hasn't been around as much are Dullahans, and this one was kind of cool. Another character, Kyoko Machi, voiced by Terry Doty, is a Dullahan. And that's not something that's shown much. Like, I see them in, like, video games here and there as bosses, or, like, of course, the Headless Horseman and whatnot. It's kind of crazy that how limited. And it was a different kind of situation because going into the logistical aspect of it, the focus of the show is the logistical aspect of, say, if you're disabled for whatever reason, how do you go about your daily life and how would you talk about it and in machi's case the idea is she has to carry her head everywhere she can't be or she can accidentally like her head can be away from her body long ass distances if she's not careful how does she bathe how does she walk how does she move how does she study how does she write so it's like is there a weird telepathic link in it because it, it basically like her head is her head there's no neck and what her neck was is just this like weird greenish flame and it is played for laughs again but i think it's the more interesting concept of it because other more than the other characters outside of like being in colder environments and whatever this is the you know machi's case is the one where you have to think through what kind of technology does she need does she need backpacks does she mess up like her posture like does messing up her back mess up her head at all you know weird little minutia of how does she see how does she move how does she interact how does she talk and they could dig into that more if they wanted to, but they don't. They do like a couple of episodes and then they actually do the weird thing where she gets kind of a kind of a interesting um, relationship with Mr. Takahashi. You know, that whole little crush thing on your teacher thing. It doesn't go anywhere, but it is a, in a nice kind of like she likes him more than the other characters, <laughs> which is kind of neat. Um, but they don't, you know, this isn't one of those adult shows or dumb shows where they focus on it. It's more played for fun and laughs. Um, but it was nice seeing a different type of monster or a different type of character portrayal because I don't think Dullahan's, you know, I don't think that's ever been shown. I don't remember unless it was in something like Arumakun or something. I can't think of any other show that would have done Dullahan's. I know like Konosuba, they had one as a as a fight but they didn't say what he was other than being a dullahan and a horseman you know so it, it's fairly rare and i actually appreciated that what isn't so out of nowhere for a japanese show is a yuki ona and that is yuki kusaka kusakabe uh had to get the name right and sarah white and heft portrayed her Weidenheft was Foss in Land of the Lustrous and Kikyo Kushida in um, 
Classroom of the Elite. God, I'm <laughs> the nice thing is I like I watched Classroom of the Elite last week, so it's like I know what she sounds like without even having to go back and watch this show like a year ago. So it's just like yay. Anyway, uh the Yuki Ona and she's portrayed very demure, very scared, very just scared of her existence. And the legend of the Yukiona is one of those things that I've gotten a sort of fascination with as I've read about it, watched it in other stuff, you know, played it in some games. I even did a D&D character based on a Yukiona. Uh, that was interesting because it was like a Pokemon thing. But I still managed to make it work somehow. But... Her portrayal is the bullied, scared kid. And even Hikari and Machi have to basically um, keep her in line. Or at least be her friend. Well, not keep her in line, but be her friend because nobody wants to be around her for some reason. The idea that, you know, Yukiona are usually portrayed as villainous or very powerful to the point that they are. Um... Some of some of it manifests, and most of it goes around into the bullying angle. And she's usually the one that gets it. Nobody else seems to get it in the in the in those other monster girls. She's the one who gets bullied because she's very meek. And it's up to the other characters to kind of parse together what power she does have, if any. And it's a interesting idea again because. You have to remember, it's from a technical perspective. How do they manage ice? How is it created? How does it manifest? Is it going to, you know, turn the school into a block of ice, which you see in other shows, especially horror shows, even horror comedies? And they don't, they don't force it. They don't force it, and it becomes a thing where she's the third wheel friend, but it's not like she isn't valuable either so so again you build this camaraderie between these three girls that are you know you'd think that they wouldn't be any different from anybody else aside from machi who's obviously got a head you know and is missing a head except it's sitting there in her hands most of the time other than that you wouldn't notice you would think that they were just any other high school girls and other 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 high school anime you know and again they approach it in such an interesting fashion which finishes with saki sato the best character of the show uh she's voiced by morgan garrett who did uh, ayako uihara in uh, how many how heavy are the dumbbells you lift and saki gets the most focus other than hikari because she's the teacher and she's a succubus. And this is played for complete hilarity. For like the best scenes in the in the show. If you haven't seen anything, what you want to check out is Saki Sato and Takahashi interview or something something of that nature. They get like one or two scenes where they get to interview each other. And they actually kind of portray her a lot like Misato uh uh, yeah, it was Misato from Evangelion. Yeah, the that's the best way I would describe it. Like a Shion from Xenosaga or a Misato from Evangelion. Overworked, 
not underappreciated, but just kind of run down and over this shit. You know, that sort of, I'm done with this crap. They they go into her daily life. They actually show her with her social worker, who's actually sort of a friend in a way. It, an older friend who works as a caseworker and, you know, kind of goads her into a relationship with Takahashi, which never really seems to go anywhere, but you know it's kind of there. You kind of think maybe in the manga they do. Um, but they they manifest as... She cannot control pheromones and sexual attraction to the point where it's not that she can't, it's that it's overwhelming to the point that other teachers, passersby on trains, even students, they take a look at her wrong or they brush up against her wrong. It just becomes like, it's almost like poison ivy spitting pheromone dust, you know, in in the in Batman and Robin or whatever. It's just like, well, fuck, you're screwed now. And it ends up becoming a thing where she has to show up super early. She doesn't get enough sleep at night because she goes early to school to avoid people, dresses in track suits and whatever to avoid you know, wearing, you know, teacher's outfits or anything skimpy so that people don't accidentally just go fucking ape shit. And it becomes a give and take when they get to her episodes, like two or three in, where she finally gets interviewed, and that's the best part of the show, is because they're teacher and teacher, Takahashi and... Sato can kind of bounce off each other. She can help the girls in a way that he can't because she understands their their trouble. She wants to get to know him better because he puts up this front that he doesn't really give a shit. Like she thinks he's not even paying attention. He doesn't get affected. It's crazy. All the while, you're just like, oh, God, what the fuck? So, so you'll hear like Takahashi out of out of the blue just be like, so sexy, you know, shit like that, you know, just little asides. They'll throw in like little phrases, little verbs, little like sequences, like uh, Hikari, you know, nibbling on people on their arm to stop their her mouth from itching. You know, just a little thing like that. Uh, just funny, stupid jokes, but done from a place of understanding what they wanted the show to be. Trying not to deal with the fan service under most circumstances. And even the stuff with Sato, they don't overdo it. They show enough that it makes sense, but they don't dwell on it. It becomes more of a romantic or an affectionate kind of thing. The end of the show feels kind of arbitrary because they need conflict and whatnot from Takahashi being, you know, everybody's friend and trying to be everybody's friend to these marginalized people but again that's the point of the show is to take a sort of racism culture war you know classism sort of thing but transfer it into these mythical creatures and then kind of dispel myths and rumors and to do their own thing with them it wouldn't have been out of place to do the show with the characters that weren't monsters i do appreciate the fact that they did and what I also appreciate is they didn't do fan service because given that this was a comedy, they could have easily just ran with it and it would have really 
Dolby impact of, hey, I'm just wanting to learn about this cultural, the cultural significance of these characters, where they come from, how this actually manifests in people if it were a real thing. As if it was a real thing, having an actual society and have have like an actual social service dedicated to that sort of thing. They went as far with this as they could without like overdoing it. It's not really a drama. Again, it stays mostly comedy, like 90% comedy, but it has its moments, which is which is good because you have characters like this that could have easily gone wrong, easily gone wrong, specifically Sato, who don't. And it gets elevated by the fact that they show enough restraint and stick to what they're going for rather than going for tropey bullshit, which is still there, but in a nicer way. So if you want something that's just 12 episodes and then dig into the manga, which I'm sure because it could be one of those things where like five or six years down the road, you might get another season because I'm sure there's more that they could have done. They set up a sequel, but I think it's a good show. Despite having a limited premise, you know what you're getting right off the bat, but you get a lot out of it, too, which is kind of strange. So I've always liked this show, and every time I rewatch it, I'm always reminded, yeah, it grabbed me when I first watched it, never seems to dull, and never seems to get boring, and it never seems to go down the rabbit hole into stupid territory, which is beneficial. But that'll do it for this week's review. Let's see what's coming up. I've got a lot of things actually set up up until like mid-October, really. Um, so I believe next week is River City Girls 1 and 2. Let me just make sure of that one. Yes, it's River City... Oh, nope. Actually, yeah, because I did Phoenix Wright last week. But I haven't uploaded it yet. So it's Phoenix Wright, technically the week after I'm recording this. Interviews with Monster Girls. River City Girls 1 and 2. Quintessential of Quintuplets. That episode I've already done. The Sega Genesis Grab Bag. And I've listed like 10 to 15, you know, 10 to 20 games I'm going to talk about for that. A Lull in the Sea. Speaking of shows that I really, really enjoy. And I think people should go out of their way to watch. This one surprised the hell out of me when I watched it a month ago. Um, really freaking good. I want to talk about that. We did the Kingdom Hearts revisit and review with Lee Clips. That'll be in October. And then Dragon Quest Eleven, which has started on my, on my main channel. So by the time that that gets uploaded... It probably won't be post-game, but it'll be damn near close or maybe even, you know, 70 to 80% complete. Who knows? We'll see how much progress I can make in two months. But Dragon Quest and then on to stuff for Halloween. Because I'm going to do a Halloween anime for that week. But I've got other votes going in first. And that's just a load of stuff. So I'm busy until the end of October. So that'll do it for me, and I will see you guys next time. Citizen Strive, signing off.